pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. And so we ask, mercifully, hear the prayers of your people. And in our time, grant us your peace and provision. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So we have, uh, many of us have been at the Winter Conference this last week in Dallas, and among all of the many wonderful things that happened up there, one of them was I got to see and hang out with my friend Bishop Todd Atkinson, and Todd and I have this little thing uh, that when we see each other, we give each other a gift, and he brought me this really amazing beard oil, and so I'm wearing it this morning. And I got to tell you, man, I smell good. I smell like the Canadian Rockies. I smell, I smell, like, I smell like a Canadian mountain man. And, uh, and I, just, I just love how I smell this morning. And as I was uh, reflecting on that, um, I remember what Paul says to the church in Corinth, his second letter uh, to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Thanks be to God who uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. And I'm reminded this morning of how good we smell to the Lord because of who we are in Christ, and that our life is meant to be a life of worship, a life of prayer, and as we live, our lives and our prayers rise to God like incense, and it makes him smile. It makes him smile. This morning, we turn to John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. If you want to open your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Uh, We're in the season of Epiphany, and Epiphany is all about knowing Christ and making him known. And one of the greatest ways that we know Christ is through prayer. And one of the greatest ways that we make Christ known is through prayer. And so Jesus has just talked about how the Holy Spirit is not going to leave his disciples as orphans. He's not going to give up on them. He's not going to abandon them. Yes, he's going away, but he is sending the Holy Spirit to convey the very presence of God, to help them continue to know God and to make God known, even though Jesus is going away. And so Here are the disciples. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Okay, Jesus is leaving. He says he's about to be handed over to suffering and death. He's not going to be here anymore. He's been talking about the Holy Spirit, not written on tablets, but like in our hearts, filling us, occupying us with the very presence of God. But really, I don't want Jesus to leave. I mean, it sounds great, but I, I really... I really love Jesus. I really appreciate being around him for the last three years. And Jesus knows this. 
He knows he's about to be handed over to suffering and death. He knows the disciples have questions. They've been asking him a lot of good questions for the previous three years, and he knows that they've got more. He knows that the disciples have needs. He's been meeting need after need after need, physically, emotionally, spiritually, for the past three years, and yet he knows the disciples have more needs. He knows the disciples have grown to appreciate this intimate, personal relationship with him. And he knows that's not going away, but he knows they're a little bit afraid. And so he teaches on what's next for them. Jesus says this to his disciples. At that time, what time is he talking about? When I die for the sins of the world and on the third day rise again. Okay, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. Up until now, you've been asking me all your questions. You've been bringing me all your needs. But once I die for the sins of the world, and once I am raised for the glory of the Father, you won't need to ask me anything. What does Jesus say? I tell you the truth. I'm not messing around here. Like, this is real. This is legit, y'all. You will ask the Father directly. And he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before, y'all. I know it's weird. This is new. You don't have any experience in this. You haven't done this before, but hey, just ask using my name and you will receive. And you're not just going to receive whatever you ask in my name. You're also going to have what? Abundant joy. Now, how cool is that? Jesus is teaching about the nature of prayer. He's teaching about the privilege of prayer. He's letting us know that there's some conditions to prayer, but he's teaching about what our motives should be when we pray and the result of prayer, which is joy. And I want us to unpack his word and lean into his presence with us this morning and grow as the people of Jesus, the people who are a people of prayer. First, Jesus talks about the nature of prayer. And the nature of prayer is asking. That's, that's, that's the nature of prayer. It's all about asking. He uses the word ask four times in four sentences. He's he's emphasizing it. Uh, Prayer is meant to be simple. It's meant to be relational. It's meant to be conversational. It's, It's about asking the Father. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's lifting prayer out of the realm of mystery, out of the ethereal religiosity that had been so prevalent in his day. He's saying prayer isn't for special people. It's not for people of position. It's for everyone. It's meant to be simple and relational. It's just about having a conversation with the Father and asking him your questions and presenting before him your needs. 
He's telling the disciples, just like you've been talking with me and asking me questions for the last three years. So now, after I die and rise again, you'll be talking with God the Father and asking him questions and asking him to supply for your needs in my name. Now, I first learned to pray my first year in seminary. I wish that I hadn't waited that long or been that old before I learned how to pray. But the reality is, is that learning how to pray is learning how to talk. And when we're little, we don't just magically learn how to talk. We learn how to talk because people older than us are talking around us and helping us learn words, put them together, and make sentences. So my kids didn't learn how to talk right out of the room. They just had their parents and their siblings help them learn how to talk. The same is true with prayer. So I didn't know how to pray. And there's no shame in that. There's no condemnation in that. But my friend Martin discovered that I didn't know how to pray. And very graciously and very kindly, about the second weekend of seminary, he invited me to start going to the chapel with him every evening. So we got out of the uh, library around 10 o'clock, and we walked down to the chapel by 10.15 or 10.30. The lights were on. It was open all night. Nobody was there except for us. And we would uh, walk down the aisle, and we would go to the table, and Martin would either kneel or lay face down or lay on his back, and I thought that was a little weird until I tried it. <laughs> and laying on your back in the presence of God is a really beautiful thing. And Martin just started speaking to the Father. And he started speaking to the Father like he knew the Father. Like his heavenly Father was, was like a real person, like his dad, like someone he knew and loved, and like someone who really knew him, and like he'd been talking to him all the time. And so as Martin began to pray, he would then say, okay, now Matt, you pray a little bit. And I would kind of stumble and mumble over my words. And then he'd pray a little bit more. And then I'd pray a little bit more. And this went on almost every night for the first year of seminary together. And by the second semester, I no longer need Martin's prompting. I began to talk to the Father because I knew him in a very simple, conversational way. Just asking, just sharing my needs with him with confidence and boldness because I had someone helping me. And what Jesus has previously said is, I'm sending you a helper, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. And so I wonder for us today, how many of you want to grow in praying to the Father? There's no condemnation for you. There's no shame if you've never had anybody come alongside you and help you speak out loud and pray to the Father. This is such a wonderful thing. And there are people uh, in our family who know how to talk to God in a very simple, easy way. And there are people in our family that are just getting started in their talking. And so here's the thing, as the Spirit leads you, the people who know and are comfortable and confident talking to the Father need to get with the people who are trying to grow and get comfortable talking to the Father, and we need to pray together. 
So whichever one you are, find someone that's different than you and get together and begin to pray so that we all learn how to talk with our Father in heaven, asking and receiving. Talking to the Father in heaven is simple. Asking him to answer our questions and meet our needs is normal. It's not weird. That's normal. Jesus not only taught it, he did it. His people not only teach it, they do it. Let's be a people of prayer in the image of Christ. The nature of prayer is asking, but Jesus also teaches us, teaches us that prayer is a privilege. And the privilege of prayer has to do with access. Here's what he's saying. Because we know Jesus, we have access to the Father. In the book, God's River, theologian and preacher Donald Barnhouse tells a great story. He says, following the Civil War, a dejected Confederate soldier was sitting outside the grounds of the White House. And a young boy approached him and inquired, why are you so sad? And the soldier began to talk and began to share and began to relate how he had repeatedly tried to go talk to President Lincoln. He wanted to tell him how unjustly he had been treated and how the lands that he rightfully had had been taken away from him. And on each occasion, when he attempted to enter the White House, the guards stepped in front of the door and slung their arms and bayonets across the entrance of the door and barred him from going in. And he was really sad and hurting, and he just wanted to talk to the president, but he kept getting turned away. And so hearing this, the boy motioned to the old soldier to follow him. And when they approached the entrance of the White House, the guards came to attention, stepped back, and opened the door for the boy, who walked into the White House, and he was followed by this old soldier. And the boy proceeded to the library where the president was resting. And he introduced this soldier to his dad. The boy was Tad Lincoln. And the soldier gained an audience with the president because of the president's son. Now, the point is this. Oftentimes, it's not what we know. It is who we know. And because we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we have personal access to the Father. Jesus, throughout his ministry, has been saying, to know me is to know the Father. To see me is to see the Father. The Father and I are one. Therefore, because I am in you and you are in me, you also are in and with the Father forever. Remember what happens when he dies on the cross for us? The moment Jesus gives up his life for the sins of the world, the sins that had separated us from God and from one another, what happens? 
The veil of the temple is torn. The curtain is ripped in two. That veil, that curtain that had barred access to the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, the presence of God for everyone except for one person one time a year. The high priest, someone special, someone set apart, one person, one time a year. And now there is no more veil. There is no more curtain. Why? Because in his great love and mercy, Jesus has gone before us into the Holy of Holies. And not only that, he's brought us with him. He has made the way for us to have access to the Father, to stand in the presence of the Father without blemish, without stain, holy and pleasing in God's sight. We have been made worthy to stand in the presence of our Father, to ask, to receive, because we have a new identity in Jesus. That's what he does. That's the privilege of prayer. It's about our access into the throne room of God's grace. Jesus also talks about not just asking and not just about access, but he says, you know, there are some conditions on this. There are some parameters and some boundaries that I want to make clear to you. And what he says is that the condition of prayer is by his merit. It's not because of who we are or because of what we've done or because we have something to give. It's because of who Jesus is, what he has done, and that he's given it all to us. Back when I was in seminary, again, my first year, I got a phone call uh, from my friend John Dalton. Uh, my family has known John and Margaret Dalton and their two boys uh, ever since I can remember. Starting when I was like in third grade, we, we shared a lake house with them out on Inks Lake and our families would see each other uh, often and our families kind of grew up out at Inks Lake together. And so uh, I'm a freshman at seminary. It's kind of a difficult time for me. Uh, and one, one morning I get a phone call and it's Johnny. He says, hey, Matt, um, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, going to class. And uh, he said, well, um, I want you to go to the national prayer breakfast with me. And I said, oh, cool. What's the national prayer breakfast? Um, I'd never heard of it. And he said, well, basically the president and uh, the Congress and um, a lot of uh, believers from all over the United States and all over the world, they come together. Uh, there's worship, there's prayer, there's uh, a speaker, and we really just praise God and ask for God's blessing on our nation. I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. And he said, yeah, I really want you to come with me because I really want you to hear Mother Teresa. I said, I'm in. Do I need to buy a ticket? How do I get there? Where, where is it? He said, no, don't worry. Um, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow morning. Uh, I'll be there at five o'clock. Like, That's early. I'll put on a tie. I'll be there. So thank you, Johnny. Hangs up. So um, take a shower, shave, um, put on a tie. And uh, at five o'clock out in the, in the circle, there's Johnny picking me up in a limo. 
I'm like, all right. So um, we get in the limo. We have a great conversation. Uh, we go to the hotel. And uh, we come in. It's a huge hotel ballroom. And all these round tables, just dozens and dozens of round tables. And all these people. And I'm walking in with Johnny. And he's introducing me to people. And, and I'm just meeting, like, these most amazing people, right? Um, Johnny is the secretary of the Navy, and so I'm walking with the Secretary of the Navy through all these tables, and we sit on the front row table right in the center of the stage. And so I'm sitting, me, like a total nobody, with no real business being there at all. I'm sitting with the Secretary of the Navy and his wife, the Secretary of the Air Force and his wife, the Commandant of the Marine Corps and his wife, and the Secretary of Defense. And me, like nobody. And uh, it was a beautiful morning. And then uh, toward the end, Johnny looks at me and says, hey, Matt, do you want to meet Mother Teresa? Yeah, I'd love to. So we go backstage and uh, shaking hands with people, shaking hands with President Clinton. Hi, nice to meet you. Talk a little bit. And then there's Mother Teresa. And I got to shake Mother Teresa's hand and visit with her for about a minute. And she is the most beautiful, the most remarkable, the most amazing woman I've ever met. And I, I got to be there and I got to meet her, not because of who I was, not because of what I had or what I could do, but because of what someone else had and they were willing to give me. That's what Jesus is talking about. When we're buried with him in his death and raised with him in his resurrection, the old is gone and the new has come. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are made sons and daughters of our Father who delights in us, who loves us, not because of what we do, not because of what we have, but because of who he is and what he gives us in his Son. And we have access to the Father. And as heirs of the kingdom, unlimited access to all of the spiritual resources in heaven. That is so good. Now, uh, for you left-brainers, let me use a little bit more concrete example. Suppose that, uh, suppose I have a check in my hand and I go to the bank with that check. That check's made out to me. It's for a lot of money. And that check is from and signed by Bill Gates the wealthiest person in America with a net worth of $89 billion. I consulted the Google, and that's what Forbes magazine told me. Now, if he signed his name to that check to me, and there's sufficient funds in his bank account, which I'm pretty sure there are, that check's going to be honored because of his name and his funds. This is what Jesus is saying it means to approach the Father in prayer and ask by the merit of Jesus. It's like having a check from the bank of heaven made out to us 
signed by Jesus. Anybody wants this, you're welcome to have it. But here's the truth. We've got nothing deposited in heaven. We do not have any credit there. If we go to the Father in our own name, we're going to get absolutely nothing. But if we go in the name of Jesus, there's a different outcome. Because Jesus has granted us the privilege of going to the Father's spiritual bank account with his name on us, with his name on our prayers. And so we ask the Father in Jesus' name, and when we do, we can be confident that our prayers will be honored to every extent because Jesus' name is always honored in heaven and his resources are limitless. That's what Jesus is saying. When you ask the Father in my name, it will be given to you. Now, here's the key. The key is to pray in alignment with God's desires and with God's motives. Okay? So, the privilege of prayer which is all about access and the the condition of prayer, which is by his desire, also has motives that come with it. The motive of prayer that Jesus teaches us to have is to pray like he would. So I want to be really, I want to be really clear about this, okay? Because there's a there's a lot of confusion. In fact, there's a lot of false teaching in the church today around this subject. So I'm going to be really clear what Jesus is saying. Praying in Jesus' name is not a magic word that somehow gets us whatever we want. Praying in Jesus' name is not some kind of secret formula that enables us to have all of our selfish desires. Um, that is not true. What Jesus is saying is that praying in his name is to pray in line with his mind. We have the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit sets our mind on things that are good and holy and praiseworthy and true. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray in a manner that's consistent with his character. He's taken away our heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. We are new creations being conformed to the image of likeness of God. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray as Jesus would under identical circumstances. That's what Jesus is talking about. And it's not the first time that he's taught on prayer in this way. You remember what he says in Luke 11? He talks about how a father gives good gifts to his children who ask. I experience this on a daily basis, right? When, when my kids come to me and they ask for something that is good, that's healthy, that's positive for them, that's, that's good for their learning, that's good for their character, that's good for their life, that provides something for them that they need and they're asking me to, to meet that need. How do you think I respond? 
absolutely. Yes, here it is. Or absolutely, yes, give me just a moment to go get that for you. Now, what happens when my kids ask me for something that's not healthy, that's not good for them, that's coming out of their whiny, selfish desires, and is all about them, 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 them? Hey, I thank you so much for coming and asking that, but I love you too much to give that to you. I, I have your best interest at heart and I'm saying no. I love you enough to say no on this one. Now, let me, let me help you understand what would be better to ask for in this situation. Now, that's what I do. Not perfectly like my father in heaven, but that's what I do. So that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke 11 when he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And all the disciples go, no. And he says, or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And all the disciples go, of course not. So if you imperfect, sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will Heavenly Father know how to give gifts to his children who ask? And specifically in Luke, what does he say? The Holy Spirit. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask because the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that the Father can give. And it's the one gift that the Father always says yes to every time, no matter what. The Father loves to give good gifts to his children who ask. And it's interesting because um, we all struggle with this. We all struggle with this. The early church struggled with this. In fact, it's what the apostle James reemphasizes to the early church um, when they're struggling with unanswered prayer. It's what he says in, in James chapter four, verse three. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He's saying you don't have the right motive. Your mind is not set on the things of God. Your heart is not asking for the, the things that, that God would ask for. You're not praying in a manner consistent with who you are in Christ and who Christ is with you. So the motive of prayer is with his desires. To ask in anyone's name means to ask as though you were that person. And that means we're to ask for what Jesus would want and what Jesus is after, not for our own selfish desires. And finally, Jesus turns to the result of prayer, which is joy. God's glory and our joy. Jesus says, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. So ask, using my name, and you will receive. And you'll not only receive, you will have abundant joy. The Father loves to provide for us. He loves to give us good things because he's a good Father. 
and his goodness towards us, his provision towards us, has nothing to do with us proving our worth. It has everything to do with him proving his goodness. And the Father loves to demonstrate his goodness and his provision in our lives. And when he does, he trusts us to honor him with the results. He gives for our good and his glory. Let me try and break that down and and how that, that might work. Over the last couple of years, there have been several people that God has um, brought across our path at Grace Northridge. People who God is working in their lives and has given them particular gifts and who have particular needs that intersect with who we are and what we can give and what we need. And over the last several years, there have been particular times where I have gotten on my knees and said, Father, if this is good for your people, if this will bring health and wholeness and faithfulness and fruitfulness to who we are as a family, and this will bless this person and this family, if we're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for us, Father, in Jesus' name, will you entrust them to this family? I first prayed that prayer very specifically four years ago for Britt Carpenter. I prayed that prayer after an Abbey Council retreat with the Abbey Council upstairs in the conference room for Michael Brimer. I prayed that prayer for Robert and Lauren and Theo Balfour. In August, several of us prayed that prayer for Nate. In September and October, Several of us were praying that prayer for Robert Schmidt. And what happens for our good and for God's glory, the Holy Spirit moves in such a way that's even better than we know how to ask or imagine. Because he loves us and he provides good things for us that meet our needs and build us up and help us glorify him. And when we receive what we ask for in Jesus' name, it brings an amazing spiritual satisfaction. And it also makes us appreciate God's goodness all the more. And so we keep asking. Sometimes we miss. But every time we miss, we still grow and understand how to better align to Jesus. His care and provision becomes real for us. It brings us joy and our faith grows and we're moved to gratitude and to share our testimony and the Father gets the glory due his name in heaven. Ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Now here's the thing. What are you asking for this morning? 
as we come to the Father through Jesus, participating in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, taking the bread and the wine, reminding us of who we are because of who Christ is. What is it that you're asking in Jesus' name? Some of you are asking for healing this morning. You need physical healing and you're afraid and you're asking that the love of God displaces your fear and that the, the hand of God brings you perfect wellness. Some of you are covered in shame and guilt this morning and you're wrestling with unforgiveness. And the invitation is to come to Jesus where there is no condemnation, where your guilt has been removed, where you have been clothed in righteousness and where there is forgiveness and ample love to forgive someone else. Some of you are struggling with your career, with your job. Some of you are struggling with needing more financial provision. As a family, we're asking, Lord, what do you want to do more of this year and how do we participate with you in that? Lord, we're lacking the financial resources to do what you've called us to do. We're asking that you would provide in abundance for your people so that we can do more this year, not next, not less. We're asking for you to be true to your word that you're raising up new leaders with new gifts for a new season of influence throughout this city. What are you asking the Lord for this morning? Ask the Father. Directly, don't beat around the bush. Directly. And he will grant your request because you use the name of Jesus. Ask using my name and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Amen.